All right, so welcome to the Denverse. I'm Derek, here with Quinn. What up? We're here to talk about the most exciting time in years in Denver sports. I feel like two playoff teams. The Rockies are playing, although they're not playing well. But we wanted to talk first about the Avalanche, who will start their playoff series against the Calgary Flames on Thursday. The eighth seed Avalanche against the first seed Calgary Flames, yeah. Yes, and so the weird thing about hockey, and this is a terrible thing about hockey, is that they split up the bracket at the beginning. So it's the top three seeds in each division, and then they add a wildcard team. And so the Avs are leaving their division, which is great, and going to the Pacific Division. So they will play Calgary, who had the most points in the Western Conference, and uh, won the Pacific Division. And then if they win that game, they would play either Vegas or San Jose, who are both, or win that series, who are both in the Pacific Division. Mm. Um, It's supposed to create uh, more rivalries, but it's sort of unfair for a lot of teams because, for example, the top, probably the top three teams in the Eastern Conference are all in the same division, so two of them are playing each other in the first round. Oh, instead of, say, like in basketball, where usually the top two teams would end up playing in the conference finals. Yeah. This is like if Houston and Golden State had to play in the first round. It's sort of like that. Toronto and Boston are having to do that. Okay. So, yeah, so the Avs are playing Calgary. Calgary is one of... I believe two teams the Avs have never played in the playoffs in the Western Conference. Um, They've never played Vegas, and they've never played Calgary, and they played everyone else. And I was surprised they'd never played Calgary because they played so many series in those early years. And Calgary went to Stanley Cup Finals in the early 2000s. Oh, really? Um, Yeah, so completely different teams now, but there's no playoff history there, which is interesting. Um, So the Avs come in... It took until the second to last game to clinch, which was one game better than last year, but still uh, pretty late. And really, the thing that makes hockey playoffs so interesting is that a goalie can steal a series. And right now, the Avs may have the best goalie in the Western Conference, at least over the last six weeks, in Philip Grubauer. Philip Grubauer, who I think in one of our earlier episodes, you told me it was Varlamov who was like the number one goalie, and then... Grubauer was like the project dude who could show some flashes of greatness. What has made him become like the go-to dude? So I think some of it is his positioning is a lot better, and he's just very confident. He's making the saves he needs to. Earlier in the year, I think his positioning wasn't great, and he was getting beat on easy shots. It didn't seem like his focus was there. He said part of his problem was he wasn't playing consistently enough because Varlamo was, was playing too, but they were literally the worst there. Two goalies, it felt like, in the whole Western Conference when they were just losing for six weeks. But he, so he was the number one goalie in Washington last year and then lost the first two games of the first round, was replaced by Holtby, and then Holtby took the Capitals to the Stanley Cup. Oh, word. So okay. the playoffs, this is really a redemption tour for Grubauer, and he's solidified himself as the number one goalie. Um, Varlamov may not even be on the team next year now because his contract's up. So it's been a big change. And so he's really who you're looking for at that back end. And then up front, the best player in the series will be Nathan McKinnon. Um, and so that'll be really interesting to see how he does. Um, Landis Cog, who's their captain, is healthy again. And we're hoping that Miko Rantanen will be back. And for a while they were saying that was the best uh, line in hockey was those three guys up front. 
You know, you hyped that up to me beginning of the season because that's how I learned how to watch hockey. Um, but then they, the Avs just like had a lot of struggles scoring where it was to be assumed that they, that was like not going to be the problem. How has the front line fixed it, specifically like McKinnon and Landis got? So they have really been leading the team, but the good thing is the last stretch here where the Avs made it the push to get back into the playoffs, they were, sort of a side note, but the Avs were down to a 9% chance to make the playoffs before they made this run to end the season. So really just turned it around. But the thing is, other people have started scoring. So when uh, Landis Gog and Ranson were both out, a couple of the second-year guys, Comfer and Kerfoot, both stepped up. Kerfoot was playing with Landis Cog at the end of the season and McKinnon, and that really helped. And then they're getting scoring from defensemen. Tyson Berry has been the Avs' second-best player over the past uh, month, and that has really helped, other than Grubauer. Grubauer has been the best player. Then McKinnon, then Berry, and Berry's just been on a tear. He finished with the second-most points by a defenseman for the Avs in a season, mm-hmm. behind Ray Bork, who did it during the 2001 Stanley Cup year. So that was exciting to see. Bork, of course, was 40 at the time. But, <laughs> um, but the thing is that other people are finally stepping up. And the difference between this year and last year is basically everyone was healthy. Last year, Varlamov was hurt. He was out. Eric Johnson, who was their number one defenseman, was out. Um, Bernier, who was their backup goalie, ended up getting hurt. They were just really hurting last mm. year. And this year, everybody basically is healthy except for Rantanen. They have six defensemen who have been playing really well, and their um, top prospect, who is Kale McCarr, may join the team midway through this playoff series. He's playing in the uh, Frozen Four, which is the final four for hockey, this weekend. And then as soon as his team is done, he can sign with the Avalanche, and it's looking like he might do that. Well, that would be like if like Zion Williamson was able to go straight from the um, basketball tournament into the league. That's a weird setup. Yeah, and on a playoff team, which is also weird. So, yeah. yeah. That is one of the things that's interesting, but also kind of fun about hockey, is you can draft guys and then they can decide to either go to their junior team, um, which is sort of like the same level as college, but you don't actually have to go to school, mm. or your college team and just play with them. And so that there are a lot of guys that the Avs have under contract that are other places which is sort of fun to follow them and sort of see how they're doing throughout the year. So in terms of, like, hot streak, we can get, like, the National Player of the Year to come off, like, a prop, maybe a, like, championship win in college to then play in the playoffs. Yeah. and That's sauce, man. He's just looking like he's going to be an immediate impact player. Like, he... The thing people have been saying about him in college is that he's too good to still be playing in college and should be in the NHL. <laughs> which you just... Just imagine anyone saying that about a college player. Yeah, like, I know, no dude. one would say that in another sport. So it's exciting. And the Avs are hoping to get a boost um, still this week. The draft lottery is on Tuesday. And the top two picks, which the Avs have like an 18% chance and a 16% chance at the top two picks, um, where both are supposed to be just transformational players. So they'll know they have that going into next season. So they have all this momentum. And then they've got the Calgary Flames. And the Flames have sort of been rebuilding like the Avalanche. They had 107 points this year, which is really good, um, and won the Western Conference. And so that should be fun to watch. And the Flames don't have a goalie, which is also fun. They have two guys, uh, David Riddich, I think you say, and Mike Smith, who is a journeyman guy. And those are your two goalies. And both of, they've split the season. 
neither of them have, have been great. And so if it's a goaltending matchup, the Avs really have the advantage there. Mm. And that could make a lot of change. So really, it's just how well would the Avs play? Can they stay healthy? And what kind of help are they going to get besides for that top line as far as scoring? Okay, that was my next question. Like, what are the pitfalls they have to watch out for? Is it if, like, the the four through whatever guys, like, the secondary players, if they don't step up, that could be, like, that's something that the Avs absolutely have to have contributing? Yeah, they've got to have it from somewhere. And the good thing is, really, over the course of the season, they've developed different ways. So Tyson Berry is someone that, you know, has been getting them a lot of points. McCarr, if he came in, would be a guy that probably could – contribute on the offensive side and then they've got the older guys like Carl Soderberg who really during the middle of the season was their anchor he's just a solid guy one of the older guys on the team but he's been leading some of the older guys and then you've got the sophomores uh, Comfer and Kerfoot and Jost who's been playing on the fourth line but still contributing on special teams uh, the power play and penalty kill so that all like they're set up well the thing is that Calgary is a nasty team. They have some guys that you really don't want to get on the wrong side of, led by Matthew Kachuk, who um, is the son of, uh, what is his name? The Kachuk that played for the Blues. Can't think of his name right Mm. now. Um, And so they have to watch out for that. They've got some other guys. um, And then the guy that people love to call Johnny Hockey is their best player. Um, His name is Johnny Goudreau. He had 99 points, the same as uh, McKinnon, and he really is, if you want to have a drinking game for this series, just how many times they say Johnny Hockey. It drives <laughs> Avs fans crazy. Um, so look out for that. So they've got him. Um, Elias Lindholm is also one of their top uh, players. He had 78 points this year. So they've got some guys. They just don't have the same experience as, as the Avs do, which isn't a ton of experience, but just mm. going to the playoffs last year makes a big difference for them and it seems like calgary they've just been so good that they may not know how to deal with adversity yeah don't know how to deal with adversity they didn't have to play in the avs division which is a little harder um and they don't have the goaltending which again a hot goaltender can steal you games and the avs have seen that before the thing is this time they have the defense where hopefully Grubauer isn't going to have to make 40 saves, where it can be like 30 saves, and they yeah. can actually control play. So sort of as, if you, as you've been watching this year, what things have you really noticed about the Avs as you've been trying to pick them up? Well, one, one thing I noticed, like, yeah, that front line, and forgive me for, I'm, I can only use basketball lingo, sort of. No, that's um, good. But I've, like, I've seen them be able to get good penetration shots on goal, or they get good penetration and then take bad shots on goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that would leave them kind of out of place on defense. Um, and I think they, they are still a younger team, so they've played down to their competition in ways. Like they had, what, I think two terrible losses to the Blackhawks, which didn't even seem that they wanted to be competitive, but the Avs just let them be competitive and then ultimately lost the game. Um, yeah, I remember seeing, but a couple games early on that, I was like, this Grubauer dude is crushing it, yeah. Um, but I think it's like, yeah, playing as a complete unit, the chemistry that, like, let the offense do its thing, with, and they know that they have the defense to back them up. But as soon as, like, people get out of position or um, just kind of, like, rush it. Yeah. And I think that's 
one of the best benefits, even though they're an eight seed versus a one seed, um, that they're going in hot and confident. Whereas Calgary, if there's some bruisers, that's like cause the Avs are a finesse team. They're not a nasty team, are they? They're not, but they do have some guys that'll step up. Soderberg, Colin Wilson, uh, Nikita Zadorov, the defenseman, who's the huge Russian guy on the mm. back end. And he's fun to watch. He's someone, uh, when you're watching these games, you should really look out for because you'll notice that when forwards are bringing in the puck against him, they'll go to the other side because he will crush you into the boards. <laughs> and teams don't want to like they don't want to deal with the physicality of having to go up against the door off. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so that's that's a good thing to watch out for. Um, I think the other thing to really look out for is how the Avs do on special teams, um, which is power play and penalty kill. Mm. Um, when their power play is working, they move the puck a lot. It's sort of like the Nuggets rotation when the offense is working. The ball is going a lot of places, and when it's not working, they're not getting it in the zone, and they're losing it quickly. Yeah. And the Avs also have to not take bad penalties. Uh, last week, when they were trying to clinch, uh, it was tied. All they needed was to get to overtime to clinch the playoffs, and they took a too many men on the ice penalty with a minute 30 left, and it was like the worst penalty you could take at the worst time. Oh, that yes, yeah, that's just like bad yeah. um, discipline. And it was so obvious that the guy with the puck for the Jets was the guy that was like, wait a second, they've got too many guys on the ice. Like he was counting them as he was on the ice. Oh, I could figure it out. That's how bad it was. So I think that that's something to look out for. I think, and we talked about this, if you're going to pick who the odds to go further are, I think the Nuggets have a better chance of getting out of the first round, but the Avs have a better chance of going farther. So mm. if the Avs can get hot, if they can get out of the first round, I like their odds better in the second round just because they're going to build on momentum. They have some things going their way. Um, as where the Nuggets are going to run into teams where it's going to be really hard, the Avalanche can at least compete. They're, they won't be as good as either team they'd face in the second round, but they have a chance, especially with the goaltending. Yeah. I mean, if you're able to take down the number one, then you know, there's that intimidation factor. Yeah. Mean, Whatever team they go against in the second round has to take them seriously as like a straight up equal. Yeah. Whereas like the Nuggets, Houston, Golden State, even Utah aren't afraid of them right now. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that like that's really what to look out for. And just the remembering how much the energy, as much as the energy goes up from NBA regular season to playoffs. It's like 10 times that for hockey, especially in a close game, because it's just any bounce can be the difference in the series. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll see. I'm excited. All right. Well, Avs, it's been an up and down season, but thank you for taking us this far. Excited to see what happens. When does their game one start? So their game one is Thursday in Calgary, mm-hmm. um, then Saturday night in Calgary, and then Monday and Wednesday here. They're on an every other night all the way through the series, which is weird. So, um, I personally would love to see a rivalry with Calgary. Not just the hockey team, but the city itself. Because I think it's actually like very much like Denver. But I just don't know anything about what they do up there. Yeah, it's just like directly north of us. It's like the same, same layout. It's in the mountain time zone. So mm. it is a good natural rival. If they could get some other sports, that'd be fun. Yeah, it would be nice. <laughs> we started this expedition six months ago with the Denver Nuggets and I was so hyped because they were showing signs of promise that maybe this was a real deal team. Now as of recording the Nuggets are clinging on to the two seed to head into the playoffs which start this Saturday and 
as exciting as it is, there's perhaps more questions about who this team really is in this moment than at any other point during the season. Um, well, and just on that real quick, at the beginning of the year, we were like cautiously optimistic they could get the three seed. We were like, there's a chance. They might be good enough. Yeah. And now we're at this place where they're in the two seed, and that would be far exceeding expectations, and we're like, I don't know how we feel about them right now. Yeah, that, that was, if you had told me six months ago when I was hyping them up, a five seed would be really cool. Yeah. That means that we beat out uh, somebody in our division. Um, and we'll actually, like, the biggest celebration is the Nuggets have clinched the Northwest Division for the first time since, I think, 2010, and only one of a handful of times in the history of the franchise. So first and foremost, we are division champs. And we get a banner. The a Nuggets banner, get yeah. a banner up there. Yeah, buddy. Um, so it's... Interesting. I mean, it's a what have you done for me lately league, um, and we're fickle people as sports fans. So yes, they are two seeds, barely holding on to that, and I don't think either of us are satisfied at all with how it's gone down thus far. It's just been a rough month. Has it probably been a month where it's been really rough? Yeah, yeah. Where it was just for a long time, no one was playing well except the starters. The starters were shaky. Um, and I think the thing that we're not satisfied about is that it just doesn't seem like they stuck with a plan the last ever since they clinched a playoff spot. Malone said that night the goal was to protect the two seed. He was being an, uh, pragmatic. The Warriors had the, probably the easiest schedule of any playoff team. And the Nuggets had a really hard schedule. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't feel like he's protected the two seed very well. No, and that's where I think far and away the most frustrating game since early last season, I think, is the Wizards game where uh, Nuggets are at home against an already depleted Wizards team, I think on the last game of a road trip, which is the classic trap game, but it didn't play out like, oh, we didn't take them seriously, got hit in the mouth. It was Nuggets, I think, went up by like 25. Yeah. And then just stopped playing basketball. Yeah, I mean, Murray was hurt. He wasn't really hurt. He was a little bit hurt and just wasn't playing the rest of the game. And then they sort of just began to fall apart. And then Jokic got himself thrown out late in the game. Just, he shouldn't have been thrown out, but also, like, he's got to control his temper, which I think everyone has agreed with. But it was just the most frustrating game. It was a classic. The Nuggets should have won this game and didn't. Yeah. And it it just looked like, act like you've been here before, which they have, which is amazing. They've, I think they're 13-3 and three in games decided by three points or fewer. So they've been clutch, but this one didn't even feel like it was a matter of clutch. It was, I think, that killer instinct. I've heard the analogy, like, a lion doesn't kill its prey by tearing it to shreds. It kills its prey by getting a grip and then just holding on until it suffocates. And that analogy plays into the Nuggets were up big, and then they just started playing dumb ball, like taking... Dumb threes early in the shot clock, trying to drive to the rim with good defense, and just not paying attention. And then they like you try to hunt a zebra, and then it kicks you in the head, and then kicks you again and again and again, and then you hurt yourself in your own confusion. Um, that was the most frustrating game in a run of tough games. I got absolutely blown out by the Rockets on the road and the. Warriors on the road. Games we didn't think we were going to win, but you also wanted to see. Play like a two seed, yo. 
Yeah, and it was like they have done some good things. Up until the Portland loss on Sunday, they had beaten every team in their division. The only team they lost to was the Utah Jazz, who's one of their last two opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't lost another game in the division other than that Portland game, which is just crazy. They are looking to have the best record of all time in, on the second of back-to-back nights. So they've yeah. done some things really well, but it just... They're not playing their best basketball right now. The team seems out of sync, especially with everyone being healthy. is frustrating yeah. to see. It's, I mean, the reason why they're here is because they were able to deal with so much adversity with, at one point, it seemed like, well, there were two starters who were playing, three starters out, a handful of shaky bench dudes, and everyone just showed up, and they powered through a lot of games you would be almost all right with them losing because it was just like, oh, there's no way you can win being this depleted. But now we have a fully healthy team, and it looks like no one knows what to do. That You talk about a plan. I think Malone's had a trouble figuring out, okay, what do I do with a healthy squad who should be able to compete? Which was one of our concerns about Malone coming into the season was just how is he going to manage the depth. Yeah. I think the other thing is the NBA season is too long. March is a hard indicator. But I think that it's still true that you want to be playing your best basketball right before the playoffs. And it doesn't feel like the Nuggets are. And I think and we, the thing that I feel like that they should have done was really focus on winning the winnable games, sitting guys in the games they knew they weren't going to win which I think they tried to do in the Portland game, but that was the first time they'd sat anybody. Yeah, and it was too late. I think even by the second half of the Houston game, there just wasn't a, there weren't too many indicators that, oh, we can turn this around. Um, but I would have been super pissed. We would have had to have called it an emergency <laughs> podcast if they had sat. Because that, that's, a, that's a completely different story than... Um, nobly getting your ass kicked as opposed to smartly getting your ass kicked. You don't want that. You, I think they need to deal with adversity now. It's very important. Yeah, it's 82 games, which is probably 10 to 15 games too long for a season, which, tough as a fan, I, I like all the games. Um, but, I mean, Jokic has been playing phenomenally, and he's been burnt out. He's been carrying this team. All season, the only time, only game he hasn't played is one where he got um, ejected or um, suspended for walking off the bench. Very, very. He's got like size sixteen feet. It, it, it's very easy to get into that like restricted area. Um, so I'd say at this point, I just want to play smart basketball that takes care of our players. I think the biggest silver lining is Gary Harris looked like the shooting guard that we were hoping he would be this season. And Millsap looks like he's five years younger than he was at the beginning of the year, which yeah. has been a great improvement. I don't know how it happened. A dude that old, you don't think you get fresher legs yeah. this far down the road. But um, I think the hope is, with two games left, that everyone will know their role. I mean, it was Trey Lyles put up 15 points yesterday. Um Wancho got a dunk and a three. And neither of those dudes are probably going to crack the rotation at all. But, I mean, Torrey Craig has been a great revelation that there was so much hype on Reddit for him in the summer league last year um, to see him hit shots and play good defense. I think whether regardless of what happens in matchup, I would like to see Torrey Craig starting if the Nuggets have to play the Rockets just because 
seems at this point they've tried everything else and save for one of the Rockets top players being hurt we have to find something different to, that they're not expecting well and I just think Barton is such a such a he's a spark plug but again it's one of the things Malone has to manage is yeah is he actually a spark plug or is he weighing you down um, and I think that that's very hard when you're starting the game because everyone needs to get into rhythm early. Barton's rhythm is not contingent on how he plays early in the game. It's just sort of he has it or he doesn't. Yeah. And you just sort of have to see. So I agree with that. I think that I'm the one thing that I think, and I, I wonder about this, is I think the Nuggets had a chance to win the Portland game and decided not to do everything they could for whatever, better or worse. I see no way they're going to win the Utah game. They don't play well against Utah, and they don't play well in Utah. And no, they never have. Never. Never. That's Regardless of what team from the Thuggets to the Brian Shaw days to right now, um, the Utah has our number. Um, no, yeah, there's really, I have no, I think that there was talk that he might rest guys tomorrow as well. Um, small sliver of hope is that Utah also might rest some dudes because they're almost pretty firmly locked into the five seat, so they won't be playing for much of anything. But it, say, I think as long as Rudy Gobert is on the court, there's no answer for the Nuggets on him and Donovan Mitchell thus far. But in every the two games that we lost against Utah, Utah didn't get prime Murray, and I feel a 22-year-old dude... Um, one day's rest is enough for to get like a hot, hot Jamal Murray. But I don't know. It's at this point I'm just like hoping ready for the playoffs to start. As long as everyone stays healthy, I would take two L's, do the three seed, and then just smack the hell out of what the Clippers do they would play. I think so. I think it's still up in the air, isn't it? But I think that that's what it looks like right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm I like of the likely opponents the Nuggets are playing in the first round. I'm still most afraid of the Spurs, even though the Nuggets smacked him down. Just Greg Popovich, he's terrifying. He's been terrifying for 20 years too. I just think he has a plan for Jokic that no one has seen yet, and that is worrying. If the Nuggets can counteract that, yeah, and that's like as talented as Jokic is, I only see like one way he can thrive. And any other way, it's like you're good at adapting, but in a playoff series, just having as many as seven games in a row with a team, Popovich is the scariest guy because he just has so many game plans. And you had the conspiracy theory that Popovich got himself ejected early in the game. So in the first minute. In the first minute. <laughs> I think it was the first minute three seconds. Yes, from minute and um, three. That he did that on purpose to hide... Yeah, I think he didn't want to coach that game, and he was ready to get thrown out to not coach it. That's um, which is a complete Popovich move. Yeah. Um, right now, the uh, six seed is the Oklahoma City Thunder, the seven seed is the Spurs, and the eight seed is the Clippers. They're separated oh. by half a game. Oklahoma City's forty-seven and thirty-three, and both the Spurs and Clippers are forty-seven and thirty-four. So yeah. it could be any three of those teams, no matter what seed they get. Yeah, and that's actually going to be really hard. It's, I'm, and I'm still kind of afraid of OKC because playoff for us is a different creature. Playoff P is a lesser creature, but nonetheless, you have two superstars and a decent supporting cast. 
I just don't want the Nuggets to be shook, and I'm happy that they've had some adversity because I think Murray will rise to the occasion, Jokic will rise to the occasion, Paul will be a great anchor, but then everyone else is just a toss-up. Like, yeah, Will Barton might be that spark plug. He'll get like 35 points, or he'll shoot and shoot and shoot and miss. Um, and the same with Malik Beasley to a lesser extent. He yeah. misses less, but he's less productive on some nights. Yeah, that's... And even Morris, like, he'll have an off night that yeah. doesn't stand out. But if everyone has an off night at the same time, I'm not sure if a young team can shake that off and then play the same exact team again yeah. with a different result. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think for us, we know this isn't the Nuggets year. Like, this is not the year they're going to make the run. But yeah. the more experience they can get and the more different situations they get, the shorter that time gets between where they are now and where they could actually compete um, with the top teams. Yeah, which, I mean, it's going to be an inter- interesting offseason and beginning of the season. Like, of course, love to see Michael Porter Jr. in Summer League ball out. But even then, like, Tim Conley has done some wheeling and dealing on draft night. And right now, the team realizes there's a lot of pieces that could be worthwhile. Like, Wancho and Trey Lyles don't have huge trade values now, but if you package it with... Barton. Barton and a pick. Then you might get like a Whataburger gift yeah. card. And then and, and then you can re-sign Beasley, which I think is something they're going to have to figure out. Yeah. Whether they want Beasley or Barton. I mean, and then that's also cool that there's a few guys who are playing for contracts. And yeah. so you're getting the best version of everyone headed to the playoffs. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back before the playoffs start, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know. <laughs>